where we've been, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, these, this great message that Jesus gave, and we're going to dig in into that a little, bit, uh, a little bit more today. But before I jump into that, it's so important that we celebrate and just take time to thank God for when He moves in people's lives, especially when we're praying and asking God to intervene. And uh, a lot of you may know this, some of you may not know uh, who these people are, but one of our elders here at Faraday Christian is a, a gentleman named Butch Pulliam. He's one of our greeters. You probably have seen him. He's probably welcomed you a time or two when you've been here. And uh, he and his wife have been going through a, a serious struggle here over the last several months. Uh, his wife Nita was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is, you know, obviously really bad news. And so we've been praying and praying with them. And and uh, she had surgery just last week uh, to remove a cancerous tumor. And uh, the doctors have said, we got all the cancer. Uh, Everything is looking very, very good. And she's actually here this morning. So give it up for the Lord. So let's... uh, Let's just, let's, just, let's just thank the Lord for that right now. God, we're thankful uh, that you have heard our prayers. We're thankful for our sister that uh, is here with us today. And Lord, we are thankful that you are a God who you are mindful of us. You're not far away. You are here. You're in this room. You are involved in our lives. And I know that you see us. So I pray that you would remind every person of that today, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what our individual circumstance is today, that you are a God who sees us, who loves us, who walks with us. You're not just our God, you're not just our Savior, but Lord, you're our friend. And we are thankful and grateful for that connection and relationship that we have with you, Lord. And we thank you most of all for Jesus. We thank you for Butch and Nita. And we just continue to place her in your hands now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is good stuff. Uh, as we're, we're continuing on in this, this series, and, and I love it, you know, we've, we've gone through a lot, we've covered a lot of ground, and there's a lot of stuff that I wish I had more time to really press into, but because we were kind of limited to six weeks, we're kind of cruising a little bit, so, but I hope that you had time, maybe this last week, to read through Matthew chapter 5, because there's a lot of great stuff in there. We're going to move on into chapter 6 today, and, and last weekend, really what we, we talked about is how Jesus continues to raise the bar in our life. You know, he says, hey, you, you've heard this, but I tell you this. And specifically, we talked about anger last week. You, he said, you've heard that it's, you know, it's wrong to murder. Like, yeah, of course. He said, but I tell you, even if you're angry with somebody, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with that. And so, so he's just raising the bar. Now he's going to pivot to address a fear that is common to all of us. This is something that I think each one of us are going to feel right down into our, into our bones today. There is, there just exists this inseparable bond between anxiety and our financial security. We just, we just can't separate the two. Don't you, just feel, don't you just feel safe when you get to that point in the month and all the bills are paid and there's food in the refrigerator... And maybe there's a little bit left over in the bank account. Doesn't that just make you feel like, okay, I'm safe, I'm safe. Everything feels good. But on the flip side, and I've spent a lot of time there, where there's just too much week. And, and you wonder, how are we going to get through to the next paycheck? And that, that's a level of stress 
that's a level of anxiousness that uh, it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but I think all of us have felt it at, at one time or another. I mean, financial security, it's, it has a grip on us. I heard a story about a, an old rich man. He married this young, you know, beautiful blonde bombshell, but uh, he was quite a bit older than, than she was. And one day he told her that, uh, he said, honey, when I pass away, and I know that I'm probably going to leave this earth way before you, there's just one thing that I want. I want to be buried with all of my money in my casket. And so the wife agreed without a second thought, and so months went by, and sadly the man passed away, and at his funeral his wife walked up to the casket with an envelope in her hand, and solemnly she just laid it in the casket with her, with her deceased husband. And the preacher standing there nearby, and said, he asked the wife, he said, well, my dear, what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was in that envelope? And she said, well, my, you know, his final wish was to be buried with all of his money, so I, I had to make sure that that happened. And the preacher looked at this small envelope. He, he knew that this guy's a wealthy man. He was confused. He said, well, honey, I, I know he was so rich. How did you... How'd you fit it all in there? She said, well, there was a lot. So I, I did the courtesy of transferring it all into my account, and then I wrote him a check, <laughs> left it in the casket. <laughs> For some of you young people, a check is a piece of paper. You, <laughs> it's different from Venmo. It's, yeah. Well, let's jump into our text today, Matthew 6. Here's the words of Jesus. Don't store up treasures... Here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries... Add a single moment to your life. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. 
seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today the best test of where your affections lie is uh, is your money what you spend it on uh, what what you do with it? How you you know what what you what you do with it? The way that you feel about it. Billy Graham was quoted one time as saying, "Give me five minutes with a person's checkbook," he said, "and I will tell you where their heart is." And Jesus is saying that there's like this there's like this tug of war that's going on in your heart, and I, I feel that I know that you feel that it's it's kind of this tension. And this is the one thing that I know about God, and I know and I know this. I know this about his calling on my life and his calling on your life. That he has called us to trust him when it comes to money. Over and over again, he said, I want you to trust me. You be faithful, you be generous, you be the person that I call you to be, and I will take care of you. I will bless your life. You will have all that you need. You don't need to worry. I know that in my brain. You know that in your brain. But a quick glance at our finances would show that what we know and what we do are very often two different things. Why is that? Why, why is it that we, we have the information? I know that God has told me this, but I just can't seem to get there. I can think of two major reasons. One... And really, I think they all they just boiled down to one of two reasons. We're either selfish or we're scared. I don't really think there's much more than that. We're either selfish or we're scared. It's either I'm not going to live how God calls me to live. I'm not going to give my money because I want it. I want to spend it on me. I want what I want when I want it. Or it's I can't be generous because if I give it, then I won't have it. And what if I need it? And if something comes up and then I don't have it, then I'm going to be in bad shape. And so it's kind of that scarcity mindset of, well, there won't be enough. There won't be enough. And, and it's, it's emotional. There's, there's fear. There's all these fears connected to it. And it's a very deeply emotional thing. That's why Jesus said, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other or you'd be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and at the same time be enslaved to money. It's not possible. Uh, th these things are, are linked. Our financial security and our sense of well-being. You know, anxiety, those anxious feelings. They're just, they're just connected. And that's why Jesus can switch gears so quickly from our mindset towards our finances and anxiety and here's what i would like for us to just kind of think about today maybe to challenge us a little bit is that anxiety it indicates misplaced attention i think we uh we think that anxiety is kind of it's like a buzzword now like everybody's got you know dealing with some level of this you know and and it's certainly come to the forefront a little bit more uh in in past years and you've seen a lot of people that are pursuing you know medication or other other coping mechanisms to deal with anxiety so we think where did this come from why why do we have this now is this a new thing it's not a new thing it's not new at all we've been dealing with this since we've there's been people 
this level of, of I feel unsafe. When it feels like the, the ground beneath me is, is shifting around a little bit. That's, that's, that's anxiousness. You know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, I, and so I freeze or I can't make decisions or I'm, I, I sort of fall into myself, collapse into myself, and I'm depressed or discouraged or whatever. Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life because wherever you're experiencing anxiety is an indicator that you are obsessed about the wrong things. My focus isn't where it needs to be. It's, it's on something else. Wherever you're nervous. Let me ask you that. Just think about that for a second. What are, what are the things that when you lay your head in your pillow at night that, okay, as you're replaying the day, there's something that just kind of, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And maybe you lose sleep over it. And it's causing you a little bit of, you know, intestinal distress. Or it's something that you talk about when you call a friend or you're calling mom or you're talking to so-and-so and and it's just like the the reoccurring conversation. Man, I'm really concerned about this. What is that thing for you? And for all of us, it may be something different. But there's probably, that's showing us there's something there to explore. Jesus repeats this command three times. He says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about these things. Do not worry about tomorrow. Here's a pro tip. When Jesus repeats something three times, that's a pretty good indicator you should take him serious. He's not joking around here. He's not not messing with us. But what he is doing is he's pushing on a sore spot. You ever go to the doctor and, you know, maybe something's going on and the doctor kind of presses? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? And you're like, no, no. Yeah, okay, okay. And what does he do? All right, here's something we're going to deal with. We just found the spot. So now we've got to come up with a treatment plan. Now we've got to d- decide where, what are we going to do next. This is what Jesus is doing for us. He's saying, listen, I found the pain point. And he says, listen to me. I know that you have attached your feeling of safety and security to money and possessions. But that's a really bad idea. You feel safe. But you're not really safe. If you, if you have locked in your sense of security in your stuff, what's going to happen when, as he says, it, when moths uh, or, or rust or thieves break in and steal it? And I, I have to admit, I'm not very educated on what's been happening uh, in the financial sector right now in the world. I know that you know, the stock market has taken a beating. There's a lot of you know, a lot of pressure and pain there. There have been some banks that are going under and talks of uh, bailouts and all that sort of thing. A lot of like, I just keep hearing bad news, bad news. Like, they're talking about, oh, crypto is doing this and all oh, the banking systems are doing that and all the tech industry is. And I, and I just kind of thought to myself, man, there's never been a better time to have no money at all than right now. <laughs> like, w- w- this is great. But, but all, these, all these financial types are on TV and they're wringing their hands. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's around the corner? And Jesus says, you, do you see how unstable all of this is? Do, do you see this? You've linked all of your emotional well-being and your sense of safety and security. You've placed all, like your foundation is in this stuff. Why do you worry about your life so much? You, you're worried, well, what, well, what am I, am I going to have enough to eat? That's the scarcity mindset. 
I can't trust God with my money. I cannot be generous as he calls me to be generous. I know that God wants me to give, but if I give, then how will I eat? And so Jesus makes a, a, I think, a really insightful analogy. He says, have you ever looked at the birds? Have you ever paid attention to the birds? They're everywhere. They're flying around, and uh, do you, he's, he's kind of saying, do, do you ever see a bird just pacing, just pacing back and forth over a branch? Like, oh, no, what, what, what will I do if there's no worms today? How, how am I going to? You never see that. What, what, they, they, don't, they don't do that. He says, no, look at verse 26. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest or store food in barns. That's interesting, little note. They don't, they don't save it, you know, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Barns and laid-up treasures, they're not just about luxury. It's about security. I find it fascinating that a general term that we use for investing in stocks and bonds and all these investments, what do we call them? We call them financial securities. Our anxiety, we want security. We want to feel safe. I, I want to know that I, I'm, I'm, I'm stable. We want answers to the unknown questions of what might happen tomorrow. I've got to be prepared. I've got to have what I need. But we, we know we live in a broken world. We know that there are real things that are really not right. You know what that longing in your heart is? When you... When you feel that, like, I want to feel safe, I want to feel provided for, I want to feel like everything is right, you know what that is? I, I fully believe that is a little bit of leftover DNA in us from Adam and Eve that's longing for the Garden of Eden that's been lost. I want, I want to feel safe. I want to feel this closeness with God, this connection. I want to feel like everything's going to be okay and that tomorrow's always going to work itself out. Yeah, we had that in the garden, and it's gone now. And now what do we do? We're going to suffer, and the world is broken, and there's going to be pain, and there's going to be hardship, and Jesus promises to be with us in the middle of it. So, so what we do in the, in the gap there is we, we look to all kinds of things to be, for, to, to be that, that sense of safety for us. You know, we want to kind of quiet that nagging, anxious thoughts that we have. And there's nothing on this earth that will get it done for us. That's why you keep buying stuff. That's why you keep chasing after things. And as soon as you get the thing, you say, man, that didn't do it. So I'll sell that or I'll get rid of that or I'll put it in storage and I'll go after something else. And you keep chasing and you keep changing because you're trying to, you're trying to scratch that itch. And nothing on this earth is going to do it. Jesus is saying, and so he drops this truth bomb on our lives. And it's kind of like bad news, but it's just honest. In verse 27, he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Everything you're concerned about. All the sleepless nights, all the pacing back and forth, all the conversations, the repetitive conversations that we have with a friend or a trusted person. That, I'm really worried, I'm really worried, I'm really worried. Jesus says, is any of that going to add a moment to your life? I heard a preacher a long time ago say that worry is, is like, it's, it's kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's exactly it. Jesus is just pointing that out to us. 
Proverbs 12, verse 25 says it this way. Anxiety weighs down the heart. It's just a heaviness. If I just, if I just had enough, if my barns were full, uh, then, then I would know that I'm okay. And then I would know that I can handle anything that comes up. That's what we believe. But, but he, he, Jesus points at the hole in this security plan. He says, you know, that's not secure enough. Like, you believe it is, but it's not. You, you believe that you are in control of this. And he mentions thieves and moth and rust. If he were talking to us today, maybe he would mention identity theft. Or, I don't know, a global pandemic that just destroys the world economy. And the truth is, and, and here's, money is not the only place we look for security. We look to people. Specifically, romantic relationships. Uh, we, we look to that for a sense of completeness for our own future because I don't feel, I, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. I need someone to make me feel like everything's, like my world is right. And so we say, oh, you know, we listen to all these sappy love songs and, oh, as long as I've got you, everything's going to be okay. And then the breakup comes and our whole sense of security is shattered again. And we, we feel incomplete. We look to jobs and careers uh, for both financial and for emotional confidence. You talk to people all the time that are kind of, ooh, I'm the, uh, you know, we, we, we make up these titles. So I said, oh, I'm the chief officer of, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? Oh, well, it just means that I sit at a computer all day. I don't know. It's like we, we just made up these titles to kind of make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And so some of us, we find that confidence there. And we say, well, I'm providing for myself and, and uh, for those that I love. But then the job disappears. There's cutbacks, layoffs, or an accident happens and you can't do the job anymore. Or we look to our parents. Some of us uh, look to our parents for security. And then they get divorced. Or they have a midlife crisis. Uh, we, we look to uh, our family, our kids for security. This one is particularly tempting, I think. I mean, da- for dads as well, but, but specifically for, for you ladies, for the moms. I, I think there is this pressure that you, you guys feel that as long as my kids and my family are okay, as long as they're okay, and you just kind of pour yourself into your kids, and, and I just, everybody's got to be, as long as everybody's safe and healthy, and we're good, and we look good, and we all have matching outfits, and we're, the picture is nice, and not a hair out of place, and I, that way, I know I'm doing a good job. I know I'm doing a good job. I, I'm, I'm, a good, I'm being the best mom I can be. But then, you put this massive pressure on your kids, and they can't handle it, or you can't handle it. They fail to meet an expectation, and what immediately happens is you think, oh, I'm a bad mom. Oh, I'm a bad parent. And, and you've lost that sense of security again because we're using them as like an emotional barn like to fill up this false sense of security. I'll tell you another huge place. Just twist the knife a little bit for those. If I haven't hit you yet, let me hit you now. Then another place that we look for emotional security and hope. A lot of us, we're looking at politics to fill that, to fill that void. It's amazing to me it is amazing to me, people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, I am a son or a daughter of the most high God. Those same people can get themselves so worked up about who's going to be, who's going to be president, who's going to be in Congress, who's going to be the mayor, who's going to be the, the governor. I don't know, last time I checked, Jesus is still king. 
It's, it's like these people, we've made them into celebrities and superheroes, or we've demonized them. I'm like, they're just, they're just people. And they don't, and here's another newsflash, they don't even know you. They don't know your name. They don't know your needs. And yet, Jesus does. He is one who is closer to us than a brother. He knows us. The scripture says he has the, the hairs on our head numbered. He knows us to that level. So what's the solution to all this? We've got some misplaced attention going on. We're, we're locked in on things that we shouldn't be locked in on. What do we do? Jesus' words one more time. He says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I think that's one more reason that we should say. Well, I, I was, one of the things that when we were visiting with Butch Anita in the hospital, right before her surgery, one of the comments that they made, I said, boy, you know, this is a, a nervous moment and, you know, a lot of questions. But, I, boy, I have no idea. People that don't know Jesus, how do they get through things like this? I said, I have no idea. I don't ever want to know. I don't ever want to be in that place. And that's what he's, you know, these worries, these concerns, these, these answers with no, or these questions with no answers, says they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But not for you. Not for you. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he's going to give you all that you need. He'll take care of you. Trust yourself in his hands. This is, what, this is what matters. The vision of the kingdom of God. It is the mission to make the broken places healed. It is to, to bring those who feel alienated and disenfranchised from God, to bring them to God. It's to eliminate injustice in the world, to eliminate anything that stands against the goodness and, the, and the, the, the greatness of God. And Jesus says, when you pursue those things, when you pursue those things, you are pursuing the kingdom of God. The mission to see lost people, hurting people, broken and real people become rooted in Jesus. That is it. It, it brings me great joy. Uh, it brings great joy to my heart to see God uh, continue to do this in, in our church here. I think in a lot of ways, uh, in a lot of ways, I feel good. I feel as though we are doing what God is calling us to do. I, I feel content with that. We're being faithful in a lot of ways, but there's more that's going to be required of us. Uh, things across the board are, are, are good. They're okay, but there's, 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 this is the thing that, you know, when you think about what keeps you up at night, the thing, one of the things that keeps me up at night is when I drive in here every day and I pass all these neighborhoods and all these homes of people that are lost and they don't they don't have that hope at all jesus told a parable when he was asked about the kingdom luke 14 he said hearing this a man sitting at the table with jesus exclaimed what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of god what a great moment that would be and jesus replied with this story which he often did he said, a man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. 
And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, hey, come on, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, oh, I just, I just, I just bought a field and I've got to go inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, oh, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, oh, I just got married, so I, I, I can't be there, can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they had said, and the master was furious. And he said, well, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, he said, well, there's still room for more. So his master said, well, then go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. God is saying, I want my house to be full. So go out there and bring those people in. And for those that are making excuses, say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't be there, I can't find the time, they keep putting it off. Here's a scary verse. The next verse, he says, for, those, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. I don't know about you, I want to be there. And I want to bring as many people along with me as I possibly can, as God would give me the opportunity for. So, so for us, for us, what are we going to do? What are, we, what are we willing to do to bring people into God's house? Things have been feeling pretty good right now, but I, I believe that in about a year from now, we will be having a, a different discussion. Because... Um, we're running out of space. Our children's ministry is nearing capacity. You may or may not know that, but it is. Uh, matter of fact, we had an elders meeting just the other day. I was talking to the guys about this. They said, we, we need to communicate that. We need people to know that this is a tension that we're feeling. Um, our student ministry is getting ready to make some changes to separate middle school and high school, which is going to be a great move for us. And in order for that ministry to, to continue to grow, if it does what we're anticipating it's going to do over the next year, they'll be out of space. Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights packs almost 200 people over in that gym every week. We've been having discussions about what would it look like uh, for them to come back into the sanctuary and have their worship time in this room so that they can have some more space because they literally are running out of space. If you were here on Super Bowl Sunday, you felt the squeeze. Our lobby felt like a cattle chute. I hadn't had that feeling since before we renovated the, the lobby. Before, remember when they, these were just hallways out here? Some of you remember that? I hadn't had that feeling since, since then. If that's the kind of growth that God wants us to bless us with, and I, I, believe, that, I believe that God gives us glimpses along the way. He says, look, look, at, look at what I'm doing. Are you paying attention to this? Look at what's coming. If he's doing that and he's called us to be a church that is making an impact by leading people into a relationship with Jesus on the south end of Louisville. How are we going to get that done? I would submit to you that it's going to require two things, both of which Jesus talked about in this passage, and that's why I bring it up. The first is it's going to require generosity from all of us, not some, from every person that calls Fairdale Christian Church their church home. You cannot serve two masters. We've got to be serious about trusting the Lord with our finances. And I, I'm serious because it's a heart check for us, but it's also a practical thing. I mean, we, we just, it's going to require that. This is, this is what I know. This is a loving church. This is a faithful church. This is a non-judgmental non church. 
But this is not a wealthy church. And so we can't be looking to two or three families to foot the bill. It's not the way it works around here. We, we just don't have that. When we need resources to do what God's calling us to do, it is not easy for us. It is not, it is not easy. It requires serious determination and faith. And I'm telling you, where, where I'm convinced God's calling us to go next, it's going to require generosity from all. Because buildings and programs and staffing, it requires financial resources. God has given, up, given each of us money. He says, okay, now I want you to do something that matters with it. But the other thing that's going to be required from all of us, myself included, is guts. It's going to require a great amount of courage. And if I'm just real transparent and real vulnerable, that one scares me. It scares me bad. <laughs> uh, it makes me anxious. To think about big steps. I, I recognize my own wiring. The way God has made me. And I am just not naturally the type of person that says. Let's just go and do this. And we'll figure out the details later. Like let's take a. Let's just bet the farm on it. Like I'm, I'm a. Especially the older I'm getting. The, the more conservative I, I am becoming. I like the feeling of knowing exactly what's right up around the bend. But that is not the life that Jesus Christ has called me or you to. None of us have that kind of security. We don't. Matter of fact, he's calling us out on that. He's saying, you can't live that way. The life that Jesus has called you and me to, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He does not say, follow me, get on board the cruise ship. And where you can sit and eat and drink and, uh, you know, watch the sunset and go back to your suite and just enjoy the ride. That's not what he says. He says, I want you to follow me, cast your nets on the other side, trust me, wait and see what kind of work you're going to be part of. This is the work of the kingdom of God. I don't have real answers today other than I'm just kind of putting it out there. We need to be praying about this. What is it going to look like to be part of the work of God restoring what was lost. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else, above everything else, and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. I trust that. I know it. It's hard for me sometimes to live it out. But that's going to be my prayer for myself and for us, is that we can, we can learn to walk in that. Let's pray. Lord, it's a, it is a, it's a tough thing. It's very hard for us when it, when it comes to these issues of our, of our deep security, the, the feelings of, of comfort, and Lord, none of us want to feel as though our world is going to fall apart. And so you know, and I know, we pursue things that we, we believe that we can put our faith in, that we can trust in. We pursue, you know, we want to we buy the higher quality item because it'll last longer, and we believe that, that that's the way life works, and, and yet you tell us, and we have seen over and over again that that is not the way that life works. So help us, Lord, to focus our attention onto the life that you call us into, 
which is never a guarantee of safety, and it's never a guarantee that everything is going to always work out, but it is a promise that you will go with us and you will supply our needs. Lord, I, I pray and I ask that you would increase our faith, that you would increase our confidence in your ability to take care of us and help us to be faithful as we follow you. I thank you that you are not only our Savior, but you are our Father and you are our friend. Help us to continue in that relationship so that we would, would feel that and experience that every moment of every day. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We're thankful you're here today. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.